Good morning, good afternoon, good night. Whenever you are listening to this podcast, we are so glad that you are gathering with us. Welcome to All of the Above, where we love to talk about anything related to church, philosophy of ministry, theology, books, uh, different topics that are going on around the church and around following Christ. My name is Aaron Markham. I am one of the pastors at Ridgewood Church. Uh, Really grateful to be with old Trevor Hoffman, Church planter, just soccer coach, so many great titles. Pastor, yeah, you know, so many great titles. Soccer coach probably being the most surprising. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, coaching Ruthie's soccer team, so it's pretty pretty awesome. Yeah, I know I know zero about soccer. Although I did learn a few things recently, like when you kick the ball out of bounds, you throw it back in. You get then get to pick it up with your hands. Very confusing. Yeah. yeah. Although people can go out of bounds, but the ball can't go out of bounds. That's right. Yes. Yes. Unlike I don't know football, I don't know how that works. All right, yeah. my my. You had some Delilah vibes at the beginning, by the way. Did I? You did. Delilah. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> um, I just destroyed it. Um, all right, Trevor, give me what, what's your favorite place to eat right now, mm. or even your favorite thing to eat right now. Dude, I like the number eight great garlic sub from Subway. Man, they got this garlic aioli, aioli. Aioli? Yeah. Aioli? I don't know. It's this garlic sauce that they put on it that is, it's got the garlic stank big time wow. and it's good. It's one of those that you taste for the rest of the day. Mm. We were, uh, I was thinking about our topic is deconstructionism and I was thinking about even Trevor. Um, he's, he's famous around these parts for um, having specific opinions on food and not liking certain food or thinking certain food is just fine. You know, we all grow up loving macaroni and cheese. And Trevor has deconstructed and now just thinks macaroni and cheese is fine. Um, you I think know, it's a perfectly it, appropriate side dish. Yes, instead of just something delicious to enjoy. And there's probably many other things in that category. Um, I don't know if that was a good, you know, caveat over to our topic, but, you know, whatever. Trying my best here. Calling my judgment in the question before we even get started. That's right. All right, so we are talking about we are talking about deconstructionism um, as it relates to Christianity as in, and as it relates to the church, but that is a super big word. We're not talking about construction, you know, building a building. We're talking about deconstructionism, but we're not talking about tearing down a building. You know, I, there, there's a lot that could go into to it. So, Trevor, help help us explain it. What are we talking about? You know what? What does it mean? What is what is deconstructionism? Yeah. So um, the best way to summarize it would be again. This is something that that if you've if you've been around, you know, the Christian online writing sphere, blogosphere, Twitter sphere, whatever, you've seen some dialogue about this. But it's the uh, the process of unbuilding the faith that you grew up with, the faith that you received from your parents or your home church. Um, kind of unbuilding that faith, taking it apart, and then rebuilding it uh, now. Kind of kind of pulling, you know, what are those things that were cultural? What are those things that were, um, you know, unhelpful readings of certain passages? And then kind of reconstructing your faith. Um, you know, as an adult, someone who's kind of made your faith your own. And there, there's a lot of um, dialogue around whether or not that's helpful terminology, whether or not it's, it's helpful to even... Um, think about the process of owning your faith in the terms of deconstruction and reconstruction. I mean, I'll say that there's some real legitimacy to that, um, to that deconstructing. And it's, it seems to me to be a very natural part of making the faith your own for every Christian, for any, anyone who grew up 
around Christianity, um, it seems like a very natural piece of that is kind of filtering through the faith that you received and building convictions, you know, as an adult, as someone who follows the Jesus and follows Jesus and reads the Bible for yourself now. Uh, and, and then it seems especially true for those who were really hurt and really legitimately ugly and abusive situa- church situations, you know, uh, or abusive parent relationships, that there is this long process of disentangling the Christian faith from the ugly people that gave it to you. Um, I would say it's probably uh, the best way of, of thinking about deconstruction. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. I, I was just thinking about kind of the, yeah, the aspect of kind of whatever you grow up with. And you could talk about it more generally. It's almost like whatever you grew up with. That's right. Doesn't matter, you know, Christianity, non, not Christianity, kind of breaking down whatever you grew up with and yep. then kind of building it back up. Um, I was reading reading a Gospel Coalition article talking about the topic, and it just says deconstructionism is the process of systematically dissecting and often rejecting the beliefs you grew up with, which is maybe why it's kind of the the unique aspect is like you're you're going to dissect them, but you're really a lot of times going to reject them. Sometimes the Christian will deconstruct all the way to atheism. Some remain there. Others experience a reconstruction, but the type of faith they end up embracing almost never resembles the Christianity they formerly knew. Um, mm. So there's kind of a lot. Essentially, I mean, it feels like to me it's people working through yeah. their faith and kind of what they believe. Yeah. Yeah, and, and again, I, I do think that's a really natural part of uh, growing in your faith and making the faith your own, whether that be, you know, deconstructing the Sunday school lessons you heard as a child or um, the kind of Christianity you're exposed to in college or whatever that is. There's there's this process of dissecting and pulling apart and kind of rebuilding your convictions. Uh, I will say, and, and this is where folks who are kind of critical of the use of the language of deconstruction, this is the way that they approach the argument. They say that there are these larger malignant cultural forces at play and that deconstruction isn't something that's limited just to the realm of the Christian faith. It's kind of this larger cultural project that is that questions the very foundations of, of West, Western culture, that questions Christianity, and that says things like that, that, the, that the abuse of power, the abuse of pastoral authority, abuse that's present within churches are representative of a rotten core that, that the whole structure is is messed up from its innermost parts on out. And so they would say that we need to deconstruct and completely unbuild not just the faith, but in some ways the society and civilization that we've been given. Mm. And so there's a it's a it's a it's a scorched earth approach where you have this kind of deep suspicion and antagonism and um you know, you should you should reject all of all of what you were given, all of your cultural heritage, including the Christian faith. You should reject it altogether, uh, because it's a because it's a rotten, you know, evil movement. Hmm. And uh, uh, go ahead. No, yeah, that that that's just interesting to think through. Yeah, how it, and it is you know sometimes it's hard to distinguish like what yeah what is Christianity that I grew up with, what is um, cultural, you know, all all of those things tied in, but you know, kind of throwing the baby out with the bathwater is maybe not always always the best way. So it, for us thinking about this, we were kind of prompted by a, an article by Joshua Ryan Butler um, that he wrote more than a year ago uh, where he said, deconstruction is the presenting issue. It's kind of the, the fruit mm. of the issue, but argues that there's more of root causes behind it. Mm. Um, so let's take those 
the, he, he offers four causes. Let's take them in turn. Kind of what, what's behind what we're doing in deconstructionism? What, what are these four causes and kind of what, what do we think about each one of them? Yeah, so there's, there's two, we might say, of these four causes that he gives that are uh, legit and then two that are not legit. So the two diagnoses that he, or the four causes that he diagnoses here, the, the first one is church hurt, um, where you're in a church situation with bad leaders and you have a bad experience personally and you were, and you were wounded by the church. Um, I, there's been so many people that we have ministered to and cared for over the years who have had you know, varying intensities and degrees of, of church hurt. Um, and he says that the cure for church hurt is grief and lament. It's to call it what it is and to lament before God and to pray that the Lord would rectify, you know, that situation and to, to pray in hope that the Lord will heal you, to pray in hope that the Lord will address that situation. And something he doesn't necessarily say, but something I think is important there is to also add that the cure for church hurt, for bad experiences, good experience. Mm-hmm. It's, it's oftentimes slowly and um, through a lot of effort, it's, it's reincorporating into a, a healthy body that can care for you, that can love you, that can help you kind of rebuild your experience of, of being a part of the body of Christ in a hopefully, you know, whole and fruitful and helpful kind of way. Yeah, and I, I think that's really helpful and even hope, we hope our church does for people and even why we have, you know, a lot of times church hurt comes from a whole variety of opportunities. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times there's not necessarily kind of high accountability with especially leaders or different people. So we, we yeah. try to have a high level of accountability between leaders and volunteers and, and the sort. Um, I thought it was interesting him, him talking about, you know, acknowledging, he said in his article, church hurt is real, but deconstruction is a false cure. The gospel's remedy is lament. So lamenting over hurt and, you know, pain and sin and struggle. Mm. He says you don't need to ignore the church's problems to protect its reputation. Instead, bring the problems boldly to God like David did. Mm. Um, and so bring them before God, lament and grief. But I like your your call, too, is to get back in, yeah. um, which, I, which represents, that's where your kind of heart is kind of put back out there. Like it could be, you know, when, yeah. when you're dating and your heart's kind of ripped, ripped out from under you or you're just taken from you, it's kind of hard to get back on the, yeah. on the bus. Um, and so we recognize that, but hopefully slowly over time, you know, we, that can be rebuilt. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. The, the next diagnosis he gives is bad teaching that sometimes we can be in a church that just has really bad, ugly teaching. Um, and the cure for that is good teaching. The cure for that is learning what the truth of the Bible says, um, learning how to read the Bible well so that you can, you can evaluate the bad teaching, so that you can evaluate bad teaching on the basis of the scriptures and not on the basis of your sensibilities, your sensitivities. Um, and I, I think maybe the classic example of this is a lot of the really specific eschatology conferences, you know, the, the red moon is prophesied in this scripture, which means this and this set of dominoes is set off by this, uh, you know, political event that you read about recently and, and, you know, kind of, kind of overemphasizing that sort of thing. Uh, That's, that's what my mind goes to with a lot of the bad teaching. And the the remedy to that is good teaching. It's learning what the Bible says and, Mm -hmm. and learning how to read the Bible well. I thought he would, he really helpfully gave the illustration of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, you have heard it said, you know, something that, maybe even close to right or something like it, 
But then Jesus says, you have heard it said, dot, dot, dot. But I say, and so Jesus even kind of almost deconstructs bad teaching to reconstruct mm. with with good teaching. He talks about Genesis 3, the the serpent's question, did God really say, is almost mm. the, the foundational you know, aspect. Jesus isn't critiquing the scriptures when he's um, you know, giving these kind of statements in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, but he's really pushing against faulty traditions, yep. insufficient That's interpretations, good. misreadings, caricatures, all that still happen today. Yeah, that's um, really good. And we want to hold that bad teaching accountable. So what's the what's the third diagnosis? He, he says the the desire to sin, that there's frankly a, a... We deconstruct the faith that we inherited because we, we, we want the things that it prohibits from us, and oftentimes it's... The, the faith that we've inherited was right, and so out of our desire to sin, out of a desire to be rebellious, we deconstruct the faith, and, or we, we kind of baptize what we're doing as this noble... T- task and journey of deconstruction, when in reality it's just us weaseling to uh, to justify the things that we want to do. Um, and he says the cure for this is confession and repentance. It's a, it's an honest owning up to what's actually taking place here and confessing your sin and repenting and asking for forgiveness. It is interesting how much you can usually tell that there's something else deeper going on when yeah. certain conversations are happening. I'm, I'm, a specific example is not really coming to mind, but it's like, man, there it just feels like something, there's probably something deeper there. And it's like, oh yeah, he's sleeping with, you know, a, a girl who's not his wife or there's drug or alcohol or, yep. um, you know, some kind of other addiction, video games, food, you know, whatever you want to put out there. Um, there there's, there's something kind of, underneath that that the deconstructionism is kind of allow almost a removal of guilt um you know we can kind of poo-poo on guilt you know that they they made me feel so guilty you know whatever it is but a lot of times guilt can can be okay with the yeah. spirit's prompting yeah um and with the right biblical teaching and um, we don't want to just guilt to follow man's ways but if um, you're if you've sinned Guilt, guilt is, is a gift of God. Is yeah. there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, what's the what's the fourth diagnosis? Yeah, and then the last one he says is street cred. In other words, just there's there's. I mean, it's not controversial to say that this is kind of sexy now. Um, that there's social pressure to do this. Key figures and leaders have done this, and there's one that was even for a while selling packages to help you deconstruct, which is just gross. Um, I think he. I don't think he's doing that anymore. Um, but there's a. There's there's a way to kind of posture yourself as yeah going on this noble journey as a, as one who's deconstructing, and it it's it, and, and you'll get applauded for it. And so, uh, I think it would be foolish not to say that this this is this is not sometimes a motivation for us for for wanting to deconstruct. And he, he says that the cure for this is we have to die to ourselves and crucify our image, and um, trust Jesus, trust that His ways and and what He calls us to is better than uh, than the applause we'll get. On Instagram for you know deconstructing, yeah, I I, I appreciated him um, almost highlighting that he says so many deconversion stories sound like everyone's reading off the same script. It is well worn cliches signaling conformity to accepted norms, and it's kind of interesting. Almost even more than just deconversion, you can do it with a whole host of topics that the script, the 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 same language is just used over and over again. Yeah. Um, very unsatisfactorily, you yeah. know, or if that's even a word. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, and it's, it, it, again, we'd, we'd be fooling ourselves if we didn't say that a lot of this just comes down to Christian sexual ethics mm. and that traditional Christian teaching, what Jesus himself taught is traditional Christian teaching. And um, culturally, we just bristle at that. And so we, we try our best to, to, to make it look noble that we're rejecting Jesus' teaching on traditional Christian sexual ethics, God's design for us. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a refusal to let King Jesus be King Jesus. Mm. Um, and again, that's not every situation, um, you know, where we talk about deconstruction and, and trying to work through bad experiences and church hurt and all those things. Like, that's not to say that that's the case for all of our struggles to make our faith our own. But again, it's kind of the elephant in the room. Like, that that's the reality, yeah. is that a lot of it comes down to this issue. That's a major one yeah. at, at this point and at this time in so many, in so many different ways. Um, yeah, Christian se- sexual ethics... Uh, is the thing that is going to be harped on. I even I briefly mentioned that in a sermon on Sunday, kind of even talking about persecution, that that we are not heavily persecuted, but almost like you know, the names we're going to get called or the things that are going to be said is, you know, in many ways because of a, our strong statement on our in our statement of faith on gender, sexuality, and marriage, um, and many of our other kind of brother and sister churches all around. Yeah. Yeah, a couple other things he says in that article is is just kind of pastoral help thinking through this. He says, our motives aren't always clear to ourselves and definitely knows those that we're not walking with. And so the motives are not always the stated motives, kind of to your point. He also says that motives aren't always singular. You know, a lot of times these things grow in bunches. It's not a single individual thing. And then he just says that working through these issues takes time and honesty. And um, you've got to do it with brothers and sisters who are wise and, and who can who can walk with you. Yeah. And those are all really, really, really helpful statements. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. Well, Go I was ahead. just going to say, and then like a, just speaking pastorally, when it comes to deconstruction, what we would say is we want you to make your your faith your own. Yes. Um, but it's very different than recasting the faith according to your preference. Um, at the end of the day, we receive Christianity. Uh, we receive the faith that's handed down to us. That's the language in Second Timothy and Jude. It is outside of us, it makes demands on us, and it forces us into its image, not the, not the inverse. And so if God is transcultural, um, meaning he exists beyond all cultures and space and time, it means that occasionally he's going to make demands on us that cut against what we think is right. Um, he's, gonna, he, he's going to reveal things about himself that we have to drop what we formerly believed in favor of the truth about Th- who he there's is. There's no way that we could... God believes exactly what we believe right. or is perfectly happy with the way we operate That's right. right now. Like that just in no world could that pop, could that work? And in, I mean, it means that every culture, there's going to be some point, you know, every culture where it, it, um, is, it is at God at odds with who God is and what mm-hmm. God teaches every culture. That's, that's going to be the case. And the reality is, is that Christianity is going to, we're not going to like it at points, and it's, it's an opportunity for us to get on Jesus's program and drop our own or reject Jesus. And I even think about that. Stay, I'm, I still remember Bryce um, way back, I don't even know, like two years ago, uh, two and a half years ago, giving a sermon on even maybe some of these kind of topics that are, that, are, that are hard, hard Christian topics, but saying, come and try it and see if you don't actually enjoy it and like it better in the end. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about my, first, my myself, you know, unheavy addiction to pornography and, and lust and just sexual immorality. And, it, and I thought that was, you know, I had to 
stop doing things that I was enjoying and kind of felt like the life was being sucked out. But I, I just go to Galatians 5, 1, for freedom Christ has set you free. Stand yeah. firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And just thinking about the thing that was offering me freedom has actually enslaved me. Um, I'm totally enslaved to it. I thought it was like Aaron gets to do whatever he wants. Aaron gets to believe whatever he wants. Aaron gets to feel good, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, actually, Christ offers true freedom. Come and t- like taste and see if the Lord is good, yeah, and he good. is good, and you will you will find joy. Now, it's not to say there's so many hard things, and we're battling our sin, and we're fighting against the passions of the flesh for the rest of our days, um, but there's so much beauty in following the Lord Jesus, really because that's what we were created to do Yeah, at a foundational level. Yeah, that's good. What other thoughts do you have uh, just the last to thing is, deconstructionism? I mean, I, yeah, last thing is a C.S. Lewis quote. He, he just says... The reason that when you wake up in the middle of the night and you catch your toe on the bed frame on the way to the bathroom is because the bed is real. And he says, if the bed were the bed of our imagination, we never catch our toe on it. And he says the same has to be true of God, that if God's real, we have to catch our toe on it, on him every now and again, right? If Christianity is for real, we have to catch our toe on it. If we never catch our toe on it, that means it's the Christianity or the God of our imagination. Mm. And so I think that challenge is, is worth taking to heart. Wow. Uh, and it's worth taking to heart regarding this issue. Yeah, exactly. It, it is interesting to think about the Lord pushing up against feelings that are very real and hurt that is very real and pain, um, and yet the Lord is kind of there to, to redirect our thoughts in a, in a gracious Heavenly Father way and to draw us in and to, to love us. I'm thinking about, you know, I hope, I hope our church can be, a, um, can be an aspect of curing you know these, the four causes that you have you know helped us helped us diagnose. I'm especially thinking church hurt. I love your example of good experiences is going to fix the pain of the past, um, or maybe not fix, but is going to you know help help uh, moderate it. And so hopefully you can come and at Ridgewood find the opportunity to to be loved and be cared for. Same with bad teaching. Same with desire to sin. We want to put off sin. And then same with street cred is we are really not that cool. We really don't um, – we don't have anything to – we are not important. Trevor's not important. Aaron's not important. We follow King Jesus, who is the most important. Any last thoughts? or? Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, if you want to read the article, it's called Four Causes of Deconstruction by Joshua Ryan Butler. It's on the Gospel Coalition. Um website you can you can find it there and um yeah if you have any questions i mean we, we recognize that this is a very pastorally sensitive topic i mean it, it hits on things that are very close to home and so uh you know it's difficult to cover every nuance of every situation in 20 minutes but hopefully you hear a heart that we we want to see uh people restored to health but we also uh, want to hold out the the right challenge to come and die come and die to your former convictions and your beliefs and come and die to christ so yeah. come to christ and and we pray that the church will be a light in that um, healing experience. We appreciate you guys uh, joining with us. Please feel free to always reach out. Um, our emails are online, and we'd love to, to talk with you, have conversations. Um, we're here to pastorally serve you guys, um, the, the members of Ridgewood Church. And we pray that this time has, has been beneficial, and we look forward to talking with you again soon.